to Securitas Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 36 for May... Ninth. Ninth. Nine times. <laughs> Nine times. Yeah, I like that. Wait, what's that from? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, right. Nine times. Uh, for May 9th, 2011, I am Bill Wadman. And I am Dan Gottesman. And uh, we are getting healthier. Yes. I am still a little sick, but not, not as much as I was last time. Yeah, me either. I'm, I'm much improved, although I still have the whole snot factor, but we won't get into that. Nope. This is not a show about snot. It is not. Actually, I think we're going to talk a little bit about performance today. Yes. As and, far as what yeah. kind of performance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think we're going to talk a little bit about computer performance ah, in some ways. computer performance. So not, yes. like, not like mime or, or, or uh, music or puppetry, no. nothing and like the, that. And there's no Cialis involved. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, but I think we've got a, we got a few things on the slate here. We actually have a slate today. Yeah, we do have a, a well a virtual slate. A, a virtual yeah. So uh, as we were talking earlier, you turned me on to something interesting that just came out that I didn't know about. It's true. I'm surprised. In fact, I was kind of surprised that you hadn't heard about this since you are one of those folks who. Uh, who, who would works really, on big files and well, bitches about it? You would greatly benefit from it, so I was mm-hmm. I was I was impressed. But yeah, uh, apparently, um, one of the blogs I read uh, is called uh, Mac Performance Guide, uh, which is put together by this guy named uh, Lloyd Chambers. Yes, who uh, he's a pretty interesting fellow. He's I've emailed some, with Lloyd a bit. Yeah, he's got some uh, some interesting. Some things he says though are just flat out wrong. <laughs> I would, you know, I would kind of put him in in a similar league uh, as Ken Rockwell. Okay, but but um, but way more technical. Uh, you yeah, know, he's technical, but some of his technical things are wrong, which is kind of what drives me nuts. But no, we'll but get he, to that later. But he actually like I think have you seen his? He actually has like some software that he wrote, like like diagnostic tools for benchmarking hard drives and stuff like that. Yes, uh, he, he, he actually has, has like you know some Unix chops and stuff. So yeah. Um, just by that virtue alone. But I remember um, he made some comment about the new MacBook Pros <coughs> not being not being as fast because the clock speed wasn't as fast. And I was like, it's a completely different processor. It doesn't. The clock speed differences are irrelevant. You know, mm. like they don't. Anyway, it just bothered me. Stuff like that bothers me. Anyway, but uh, yeah. So anyway, he so wrote I, this post on what? Yeah. So I subscribed this to the to the to his blog, and a couple days ago. He he posted something about this new what would you call it an extension uh, for Photoshop? It's not a plugin, is it? Uh, um, no, y- yes, it's well, no, it's a, it's an extension, not a yeah. plugin. Although it goes in the plugins folder. Okay, well, it's it's essentially a little little gizmo that you drop into Photoshop that basically tells Photoshop to stop. Uh, it basically disables Photoshop's compression uh, functionality when saving large files. Large PSDs, large Photoshop, yeah, exactly, large Photoshop files, uh, and the the reasoning behind this is actually kind of interesting. Apparently, for whatever reason, the the compression routine that Photoshop has been using for this is old enough to not be optimized to use more than one CPU core to do the Sing- work. Single threaded, yes. And what that means is, uh, even though you might have yourself a nice fast twelve core machine that is capable of chewing through mountains of data in no time. If if you can only use one of those cores at a time for this process, it's still going to take a really long time. So I will say that saving documents is the only thing that I ever have a bottleneck with in Photoshop. Right, and that's probably a lot has a lot to do with this exact thing, right? Yes, it has exactly to do with this thing. Now, there has been a way around this in the past, yeah, uh, which is to use TIFFs uncompressed. Right now. Just a quick aside, when you set up Lightroom initially and you say edit in Photoshop, it opens it as a TIFF. I think it, by default, is that how by it By default, it, yeah, it uses TIFF as default. That's, and I always uh, yeah, wondered why right. Adobe software would be using TIFF as opposed to PSD and if there are any advantages to PSD over TIFF. But I'll tell you, the, the, so I, I remember writing John Knack, and I don't know if I ever got an answer. Shoot. Mm. I'll have to look that up. But I always wondered, like, what is the point of PSD if you want us to use TIFFs? You know? uh, and, and for those who don't know, John Knack is, like, the product manager for, I think... For Photoshop. Either, either Photoshop or the... C- oh, yeah, I guess, or maybe even higher up now. Maybe he might be in charge of the whole creative suite. Yeah, he's got a really good blog, too. Yeah, he, he's written some interesting things. 
Yeah, and, and he keeps a, a lot of new stuff up there. But, you know, I always use PSDs, and I always I used PSDs even though – because Lloyd Chambers suggested at one other point, like, okay, there is this bottleneck. The way to get around it is to use uncompressed TIFFs. The downside being is that uncompressed TIFFs are a lot bigger. Right. Not, well, not a lot. I mean, up to 40% bigger. Uh, so, according to his numbers, but I just did my own little test, and it came out twice as big. Oh, well, I guess it depends on the actual document. I mean, if it has a lot of black in it or a lot of white or, you know, if there's a lot of yeah. stuff, you know. But, uh, I, yeah, I opened up a picture of Gina Trapani I shot last week, and I was playing with it, and then I just resaved it. And there's a couple interesting things. One, uh, you don't get a progress bar when you're saving. You just get a little spinny progress thing, you know, right. the little... The, the the beach ball, not yeah, but whatever the new oh. beach ball is though, you know the little, oh, just the the little lines going the, around they a call circle. It a spinning gear is the official term for that. Okay, all you get is the spinning gear. Yeah, um, which is fine. It's just kind of like annoying because you have no idea if it's doing it correctly or if it's progressing or you know. But I will tell you that normally these files probably took twenty something seconds to save. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took maybe six seconds. Wow. Yeah, it was a huge difference. Now. The file went from around 600 megs to around 1.2 gigs. Okay, well, that makes sense. Right. Um, Which isn't a huge deal, but, I mean, okay, every two images you process the way I do is another gig. And I know I've got multiple terabytes, but, you know, if you're doing a few images a day, that could add up. It's true. It's true. Um, So it's not an insignificant amount of data. And if you are not using big PSDs with lots of layers, uh, I I do everything 16-bit. I keep most of my stuff actually layered. I don't flatten a lot of stuff. I use a lot of uh, adjustment layers. Um, if you're doing those kinds of things, it can be a real, uh, a really good thing. But if you're not, it pr- I don't know that this would be a huge win for you. But for me, it seems pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're the first person I thought of when I read that. Yeah. No, this is this is the one thing. It's funny. I have my you know my little i7 Hackintosh here, uh-huh. and that's the only thing that ever took time. You know, yeah. I always find it funny when people have uh, Photoshop benchmarks. Yeah, because it's so kind of arbitrary. It's like one of those things. Like, um, well, it depends on what you're doing, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the majority of people, even the majority of retouchers, are not doing filters and you know color space conversions and Rotates. whatever else. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. They're not. They're just sitting there with a pen and, and, and going it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's true. So, so it really cracks me up that they're just like, oh, this is 40% faster on this benchmark. It's like, well, your benchmark is stupid. No, you it's know? true. I mean, <laughs> and you see these guys who put together these like really nice, long, like elaborate action templates. Yeah. So it's like, here, exactly. run this action and then tell me how long it takes. And it's like, well, dude, you know, uh, yeah. you know, I'm not really doing that kind of work. Yeah. The only things that take a little time for me, lens blur. Well, sure. Still takes a lot of time. Yeah. It, I mean, There's some math I mean, in there. Yeah. I mean, it takes like 15 seconds. Yeah, uh, it takes a lot of time, um, and that's that's with my things. I'm running it at like three point six gigahertz, I think. So I'm running it fast. Mm-hmm. Um, that takes time. Liquify can sometimes take time or be yeah. a little slow. Yeah, sure. Uh, but other than that, saving was the only thing that bothered me, and now that is sort of fixed with this. It's interesting. It's just um, I remember somebody was complaining the other day about how I think it was on uh, Hypercritical. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Sarkeeser was complaining about some programming language where it took four keystrokes to set up a function or something versus two and some other one. And mm-hmm. I'm like, how often are you typing function? Are you typing it more than 14 times a minute? You know, well, like, apparently some people do. Like, I, all I know is that when I'm typing code, I'm not typing code. If I'm working on something for three hours, I'm maybe typing for three minutes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's a, a lot, lot of typing. thinking and tweaking and, and moving things around. It's not a lot of, like, typing, typing like I'm writing a book, right. you know? Right. Um, so it kind of cracks me up that that's, <laughs> it's you know, the, these are the things that people think about. But I guess they do. Some anyway. Do. Yeah. So uh, so disallow flate compressed PSD dot plugin yeah. is what it's called. Yep, yep. We'll, we'll, we'll post a link to that. We will put it in the show notes. And uh, it worked for me. Although you have to update to... Whatever it is, twelve dot zero dot four. Yeah, the I new think. version of Photoshop, which just yeah. came out a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so you need to update, and then you can use this thing. And uh, I, for one, I'm going to keep it on for now. It's funny though. It's I don't know. There's something about PSDs that I trust more than TIFFs, which is why I never did the TIFF thing. Huh? I don't know why. 
I feel like there's got to be some metadata or something lost saving it as a TIFF because there's all these specific Photoshop things. Well, I remember way, way, way back, like I'm talking like Photoshop 2 or Photoshop 3. Yeah. There was a really nifty thing that you could do um, that has since obviously evolved. But, you know, when I when I asked that question, too, you know, when it first occurred to me when I was first learning about Photoshop, I'm like, well, so wait a minute. Why would I want what's the benefit of this Photoshop, you know, format versus TIFF or whatever? And the person who showed me, they showed me this really cool um, like history brush, I think it was, or history eraser something tool. And it was a weird it had a weird cursor. It had like a weird, it was like concentric squares. Uh, it was ugly. I mean, again, this is way back in the OS, you know, Mac OS 8 or 7 days. I mean, uh, and now since then, obviously, it's evolved. But the point is, um, I think you're right. There's definitely some some sort of document history or metadata, you know, type of information that's kept in a Photoshop file versus a, versus a TIFF file. But I just I feel like there has to be. But I don't know somehow. if it, but now it's, it's so funny because now that, like, geez, the whole system is over 15 years old. Yeah. It's possible that they might have just sort of, you know, yeah. you know, built that in now, and now it's just more of a legacy thing. And where... they could have put all the stuff in the TIFF spec because the TIFF spec is. Do they run the TIFF spec or is TIFF general? I, no, no, I think TIFF they, is, TIFF is no, but they owned time. TIFF originally, I think, and they put it out. Did they? Adobe started TIFF. Well, I, I all I know, I do know that DNG the uh, the raw, oh, the DNG digital format, negative file. Yeah, yeah, they, that's yeah, theirs. That's for is sure. is TIFF based? Is it? Yeah, yeah like it's, it uses the TIFF whatever. So, well, and also I know that, like for example, um, Phase One and Leaf um, digital files back before yeah. that, you know, Capture One kind of came into its own. They yep. they they were all you know raw, raw files were were TIFFs. Hell, I can yeah. remember my, my Nikon. I had my, my first digital camera was a Nikon Coolpix five thousand. I want to say, and one of its the shot TIFFs. Well, it it had the ability to shoot TIFFs. Yeah, I think I could save like I could save like uh, maybe. 20 of them on my 16 meg card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um that was funny. No, it is it's it's weird stuff. Anyway, so I'm going to stick with this PSDs and this plugin and we'll see how it goes. Um we'll see how much more space I start using all of a sudden. It's interesting. Um so in other news, new IMAX came out. Yes. The uh the the march towards Thunderbolt acceptance and whatever you want to yeah. call it uh, dominance is is one step further now a couple weeks ago i wrote a little buyer's guide for buying a photo computer if you were going to buy a mac yep uh and one of the things i said was if they come out with a new 27 inch imac with thunderbolt yep the big weakness of the 27 inch imac up until recently was getting a lot of storage in and out Yep, because the fastest option you had was FireWire 800, and I wouldn't work off a of FireWire 800 drive when I'm saving gigabyte files. Nope. So um, it seems like that one kind of peccadillo is fixed. Yeah. Uh, now we just have to wait for Thunderbolt drives to come out. Right. Uh, now, for those who don't know, Thunderbolt is this new port that was on the MacBook Pros, is now on the iMac. Uh, it's an Intel spec, I think. And yeah, it was, originally, it was supposed to be light peak, right? It's, supposed right. To, it's going to be optical uh, eventually. Uh, that's what I. That's what the original spec was, anyway. Yeah, yeah. it's supposed to be fiber optic, right? Some, some sort of fiber based. And this is uh, ten gigabits per second up and down simultaneously. Yeah, pretty darn fast. Yeah, which is a big pipe. Yeah. Um, now, the, most almost everything, nothing can saturate that. I mean, that's crazy. That's a, that's literally a gigabyte a second being written. Yeah, or red, you know. Well, uh, I, I think I guess one, if you had some crazy external thing with multiple, uh, yeah, video SSDs or yeah, I just mean like you'd have to have a twelve disk array to really saturate. Well, that. and you're, again, you're talking about like actual files, but if you're talking about like media streaming, like audio or video streaming, like sure. if, you're, if you're doing like, let's say you were doing, um, you know, four K, yes, three uh, D, right? Yep. So that's two four K streams right there. Boom, yep. that's a pretty heavy, yeah heavy bunch of data. To and the neat around. thing about it is that the way it's written, uh, it can emulate other ports. So you could basically put a dongle in and turn it into a firewire port or put a dongle in and turn it into USB, USB port. Yeah. Yeah. Because what it actually is, is just like basically a PCI 
connection. Yeah, I think that's, that's the, the best board. way to think of it. Is is it's basically I think like the, like a the, PCI the, slot, the successor to PCI, or yeah. or if you will, the PC PCMCAA or PC Express yeah. or whatever they put on the laptop. It's a I super think duper it's, version of that. It's pretty cool, man. It's it, no, they did it's, a pretty, you know, and then the fact that you can like you can tag, you can basically just stick a display at the end of the chain too. Yep. Like it also, in addition to you know data, yeah. it also does video. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of brilliant, man. They've, they've it is it is it is basically it takes over FireWire, but. You know, it's More funny that, beca- though, because, because theoretically, ha- you could you could I mean, imagine you could make a really cool docking station for a, for a laptop with that, yeah. man. Because you just could, have you one have, one cable going in, right? So you have your yeah. you know your USB and your FireWire and yeah. your video all in one. The thing pop- is, pop- how does that work? If you were you know, because I know you have to daisy chain these things. Yeah, like there aren't hubs; you daisy chain them. Right, like like uh, SCSI back in the right. Days. So how do you have? I mean, are they going to come out with some kind of adapter that has two? F- Thunderbolt ports for in and out, and then on the other side it has like a little USB port to plug into. You know what I mean? That would be or, my guess. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. I want to see. Those are the kinds of things I want to know. Yeah, I always found that odd. It's very. It's like that all goes back to SCSI. Yeah, like you have to like terminate it at the end and shit. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm SCSI was a nightmare back in the day. I used yeah, to, I used to have to deal with that and all. Man, there's this company called uh, Granite Digital. They're okay, still, they're still around. Um, and they used to be like the best. They made these like gold-plated SCSI cables with really ridiculously thick, heavy, you know, heavy gauge sure. uh, wire with these giant magnet, like the magnetic ferrite beads that were like yep. you know built into the ends of the cables. And then they made this this special one which had like LEDs on it, so you could like diagnose the the SCSI signal. <laughs> and then there's oh, like channels and and oh. termination, and you needed the, like a proper terminator. And then and then they started to get faster and smaller. So then you know we went from like there's 25 pin, 50 pin, 68 pin, uh, and then the pins were bent. <laughs> um, oh man! And then those what things were not the th- they weren't even they were they were expensive too, man. I mean you, you could drop a hundred bucks easily on a, yeah. on a little SCSI cable. And the, uh, all those SciQuest drives is that what those were called? Yeah, SciQuest. That was the name of the company. Um, Those were, were big, like like mid to late nineties. Yeah, um, like well, before zip disks got cheap. Well, the two the two big companies in the game were were SciQuest and iOmega. Uh, yeah. If I'm I'm just doing this from memory now, but iOmega, I, I want to say iOmega was first, and iOmega came out with uh, essentially a five and a quarter um, removable hard drive um, system called the Bernoulli. Uh, yep. Store the, the, the nickname was the Bernoulli box. Uh, first time I ever saw it was at a newspaper I was visiting once, and it was basically just like an overgrown giant ass floppy disk. I want to say they were like you know forty megabytes, you know, which compared to a regular one point four megabyte floppy disk, that was that was a hell of a hell of a deal. Yep. It was like a little hard drive that you could pull out like a cartridge. Well, but the, the original Bernoullis were not actually hard drives; those were actually still using um, flexible media. Okay. Um, and then SciQuest came out, and they basically took the whole, I think it's the Winchester design for hard drives, you know, with a, with a spinning platter. And yep. they basically took the platter out of the hard drive, put it into a, a plastic case with some protection on it, and then they basically made this, you know, this, this, this mechanism that when you stuck this cartridge into the mechanism, it basically completed, you know, a functioning hard drive. And they were slow. But they were extremely portable and pretty darn rugged for what they were. I mean, you know, they were still five and a quarter or five and a half inch in size, and they had these nifty little white, you know, uh, book-like um, containers. I mean, I remember making the – we had templates for the little sleeves so that you could write – you know, you print out the directory of what's on the disk, uh, and then you'd send it out to the service bureau or, service bureau or whatever for printing. Um, and those were around for a while, and those, those I think those debuted at, at uh, 40 megabytes. And then the jazz drives. Well, no, jazz drives are still a ways off. Then, then we got to <laughs> then we got to 80, 80 megabyte uh, SideQuest drives. And then at this point, the Bernoulli disc, uh, iOmega was like, okay, well, we need to we need to figure something out. So they they still sticking with their floppy floppy based uh, system. Then then came the zip drive, which was basically like a three and a half inch version of the Bernoulli. I still um, have a USB one in my closet. Wow. Uh, I think I, I actually just, just got, in case this last time I moved just just back in December I finally parted with uh, an old Power Mac G4 that had an internal 
zip drive. Oh yeah, uh, I used to put them in my machines. I used to build. Yeah, those were uh, those were great. I mean, and they, they were super cheap. But then you had this whole click of death thing yep. where the drives would go bad. And I, I don't know. I mean, zips were really popular in college because they were so darn cheap. I mean, for like twenty bucks. Well, I think they were a lot better. They're a lot more useful than uh, floppies were. Yeah, and, and I mean, you get like, CDs. Blank CDs were really expensive at the time. True. And it's true, and they CD were slow too. You needed a burner and all that stuff. Yeah, you could yeah. get a whole zip drive thing for like two hundred bucks, and that came with a disc. And I think the discs were like twenty bucks for a hundred megs, yeah. uh, which wasn't bad. Uh, and then, and then, and then, uh, iOmega's answer to the SyQuest drive was the Jazz drive, and that was a three and a half inch version, uh, very, very similar to the SyQuest drive, but it had two platters in it. Or maybe the first ones had one, and then the second generation Jazz two or whatever had two platters in them. I never um, had a Jazz drive, but I oh always man, we coveted those all them. the time. Yeah, they were really cool. Um, the downside to the Jazz drive um, was was because I think the, the design because they're trying to make them so much smaller, um, they weren't as uh, tough as the side quests and i remember there's this huge problem we had this problem once at a client uh and i read about it and i you know it, it turned out that it was kind of like kind of like a virus really where what would happen is uh let's say you dropped the jazz cartridge right which has two little platters in it and f- somehow the platters were knocked in such a way that they they weren't perfectly parallel anymore so you stick that that you know, cartridge into a drive, and because the platters aren't perfect, they start warping the the heads on the inside of the the drive mechanism. And then once those heads get warped, every success of every you know cartridge that you put into that drive would then get that warping on them. And then effectively, anytime you send that that you know a, you know, a cartridge to anyone else, it basically infects theirs. It you know their drive, and if it's bad enough, it can it can compromise the whole thing, and and everything gets all screwy. It's um, kind of scary. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't think you stored... I used to use mine when I worked at an agency back in 98. I used to use a zip to bring stuff home. Yeah. And back and forth and to back stuff up mm-hmm. while hard drive, when hard drives were still expensive. Yeah. yeah I, I guess that's the thing is that... I mean, even optical media... Was you know, expensive. It used to be the thing for yeah, but then oh, it got true. really cheap, there's, and then it became tr- it's it's not worth it anymore. Then there was there was another technology called magneto optical, oh, sure. which was this weird kind of hybrid format, which kind of if you it looked like a DVD in there. I think it was basically like a DVD-RW, but in some weird proprietary thing. It also uh, always seemed like a weird hack to me. Yeah, it, they were super slow, but they also had I think the, the fact that they were optical versus magnetic, um, mm-hmm. they had a, a, a higher uh, safety rating or whatever. They were you know they were rated to to be a little bit less prone to, to data loss or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember working at a place that had a huge archive, like I want to say dozens of those things. Uh, you know I should do you know, this. You know, it's funny. This reminds me that I have maybe eight or 10 CDs worth of random stuff back in the day that I used to back up. Uh-huh. I should totally pull those off and turn them into disc images. Yeah, dude. Update that stuff. Yeah. You got, I just haven't gotten around to that's it. That's really important because you know, I mean, I, I, I also have some old, when I was a software freak, and I used to download everything. Uh, I, I'm sure I have like Case Logic uh, binders, you know, full of old, you know, 700 megabyte uh, yeah. discs with just tons of random crap on it, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure if I pop them into any computer today, there's a 50% chance that any of them will work. Um, you know, yeah, I was man. even thinking about that USB zip drive. I wonder if it would even boot, if if it would mount to Mac OS. You know, I had a feeling the Mac will, the Mac would know what to do with it. Mac Apple has been really pretty good about. Um, keeping the legacy thing alive. I mean, I'm not. You know, I, I'm gonna have to try that I'd be, after we get off. I, I yeah, I'd be. I, if I had to put my money on it, I would say probably. <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah. guarantee it, but it wouldn't surprise me if it did. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um. Huh. Yeah. So anyway, storage. Um. We took a little side trip. Yeah, we did. Uh. So the thing is, the cool thing will be when they actually start coming out with Thunderbolt accessories. Yeah. There's uh, been some really interesting announcements in the video world for sure. Yeah, but uh, as far as storage, Lacey has one, which is basically two Intel SSDs in RAID 0 in a box. Yeah, yeah that thing's externally. Be insane. I can't wait which, to see what that thing Which like. seems very um, specific, very limited. Not Just because it's very expensive and very fast. I mean, right. the people who would use it would be video people, right. you know, on, on site. Right, for, you know, for the, capturing 3D and stuff. The, uh, what's, the, what's the guy's name from MacBreak? The Alex uh, Lindsay's of the world. Yeah, that dude. Um, the other one, which is coming out very, very soon, is made by Promise. And a lot of Promise stuff is not that fancy or really, you know, not generally considered sort of high end, mm. uh, at least in my experience. 
but they're coming out with this um, this box. It's either four or six drives. Can do raid zero, one, five, fifty, six, sixty, and ten. Okay. Uh, which do we want to get into? What all those things are? Uh, we can. I mean, but the question is, so so let's 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 do this. Let's rather than getting into the nuts and bolts of that, let's talk yeah. about why that's significant. Okay. Um, and the, the reason why, so. Um, you could buy an iMac 27-inch, buy yeah. one of these things, load it up with two terabyte drives, and basically have the equivalent of a Mac Pro with only four cores, well, like the low-end Mac Pro. But better, but better, yeah, because better, the, yeah. a box like this, one of the real benefit to the box like this is that it has uh, an internal controller. Yes. Uh, and when a, when, a, when a drive box, you know, a, drive, a box that can, can, can support up to, well, really three is the minimum, but usually they, you know, they're four or five or six or ten or whatever. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, when, when you have a, a, a drive like that, I'm sorry, a box like that with, with a built-in controller, that can offer you some really great, um, not, not necessarily performance, but definitely some safety redundancy options, yep. um, which is where the RAID, you know, anything above RAID 0 or RAID 1, which are mirroring and striping, um, comes into play. Yeah. Uh, RAID 5 and 6, 6 is basically just RAID 5 with an additional right. uh, spare, um, are good examples of that. So basically, the data is written on all these drives. If you're in RAID 5, uh, if you lose any one of the drives and you put a new drive in for the one that broke, the all the data from that drive that died is on the other rest of the drives in the array and can get rebuilt. Yeah, it's pretty um, sweet, man. It's you know, trick. it's the kind of thing where the mathematics of it all just kind of confound me. You know, did, did you ever there's look parity into that? data over? Oh, it's insane. Yeah, it's like pretty the sweet. way the parity data is all broken up and yeah, how it reconstructs it. It's like my friend Mike actually explained it to me pretty clearly. I'll, I'll see if I can remember how it works for the sake of our listeners, in case anyone is ever wondering, because um, this is kind of cool. Um, it actually dates back to uh, the old days of uh, telecommunications when you were sending uh, information uh, over phone lines. So we we all know that in the old days of modems. Uh, you know, there's no such thing as a perfectly stable, clean connection. Sometimes, you know, there'd be a hiccup on the line. And you can imagine when, when two computers are talking to each other, sending bits and bytes back and forth all the time, you know, it's, it's not the same as like when, you know, you, you and I are having a conversation and, and I drop a word or two and we're having a conversation, you know, your brain is smart enough to sort of infer the word that might have gotten dropped, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but computers are, are, are not that uh, forgiving. So some nerds figured out this nifty way of building in uh, essentially a checksum, you know, a way, like kind of like a receipt, uh, a way of, of confirming that the data that they sent was received. Parity completely. bit, yeah. Exactly, using what's called parity. So if any of you old-timers remember the whole uh, parity bits, stop bits, um, you know, when, when you when you had to configure your modem to dial up a, uh, another modem, you know, you know how oh, many, I forgot yeah, about all that. N81, you know, no no parity, eight, <laughs> eight, eight, eight bits and, you know, stop bits and all that stuff. That's where that stuff kind of comes in. And, and what was really cool about that is that, um, let me see. Okay, so yeah, we all know that uh, there are eight bits in one byte, right? Mm-hmm. And if you were to, the, the, because we know that there, there's a, a and, and bits can only be zeros or ones. And there's a, a relatively straightforward mathematical uh, calculation that can be performed that basically you're, when, when you send a byte, it can only be um, one of several combinations, you know, uh, if you add them all up, you know, it's, there's a finite number. And so what happens is if one of those bits is missing, so if you have if you have this combination of eight numbers, which are either a zero or a one, you can pretty quickly determine which one is missing and which one it should be, because it's you know that's a finite sort of set value. Um, and if you attach this little receipt to that that confirms that, um, you can sort of reverse engineer the missing the missing bit and then you know essentially replace the word that yep. was missing. Uh, and that's that's a kind of that's kind of how it works. So it's almost they, like you're you're sending a secondary copy of the data that is shorthand, right? Like a little manifest. Yep. Uh, and 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 then once you've got that, you can you just basically check to make sure that what you were sent uh, is is correct. And if it is, you're good to go. So they basically and that's that's how we were able to get you know modems to to send higher speeds and higher amounts of data without you know screwing up every time. Yeah. Uh, and then they basically took that same 
principle, uh, the parity concept, and applied it to whole, you know, whole disks, basically. Yeah. So, so now the parity data gets spread out across all of the drives in a given set so that if any one of the members uh, is missing, um, y- you know, they, the, other, the other ones have all of the information that was necessary to replace that guy. Right. Now, the, pro- the problem is, is that, well, first of all, you need at least three drives to be doing this stuff. Correct. Um, secondary, secondly, uh, unless you have a dedicated controller of some kind. Right. Something needs to be doing that math. Something yeah, that math be- has to be on every time something gets written or read from those disks. Correct. Actually, just written, right? Well, technically both. Okay. It, yeah, so so that, th- that there could be a performance hit right. versus writing to three drives all at once at the same time. Absolutely. Um, so a lot of these external boxes have controllers in them or they're controllers on a PCI card inside your computer or whatever. Right. Um, so the nice thing about one like this promise one is that it'll probably have its own controller, which case you could just load it up with 12 terabytes of drives, let it do its thing. And the nice thing is, is that, you know, you could lose a drive or if you're using raid six, you could lose two drives, um, and still not lose your data. Now this is redundancy. This is not backup. No, of course. This uh, is which is, yes, which is one thing that a lot of people are just like, oh, well, it's backed up. It's in a Drobo or whatever it is. No, because like, no, your whole Drobo can fail it's or true. two drives can fail. No, but, um, yeah. So, true. you know, just something to be thinking about. Have you ever used a RAID 5? You know, Mac OS can do RAID 1 and 0 Natively. in software. Yeah, correct. Have you ever done it? Yeah, use it all the time. Uh, I mean, would it be worthwhile? Because right now I'm using the two... Four terabyte drives, or no, I'm sorry, two two terabyte drives that are my main array or my main set of drives. Rather, but you're, you're they're mirroring, not arrayed. You're mirroring those, though, right? Well, no. Here's the thing: I have two drives that aren't mirrored at all. It's like there's Vault One and Vault Two. Okay. Both of those get super dupered into sparse images on a secondary backup drive every night. Okay. So I'm never more than 24 hours out. Sure. Okay. So, but theoretically, if I cleared those off or got two other drives, put them in there, rated them up in software's RAID 0, mm-hmm. and then had that backup every night. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm making it more risky for the 24 hours that I'm using them, but it could be substantially faster. Yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. It, have you, I mean, have you, you've done the RAID 0? I mean, is it a yeah. big, big performance thing? Um, or? I would say maybe 25%, 20, 25%. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't remember With the dedicated my, uh, controllers, it can get up to like 80% faster, right? Uh, it depends, uh, and it also depends on the kind of work that you're doing sure. and the the size of the block that right. you know the block size that you choose. Yep. Um, I mean, the kind and, and of obviously stuff the I'm doing of, are these big, giant, contiguous files, no. which are kind of ideal for that. Right, and then obviously the speeds of the drive, the individual drives themselves, will have effect. Uh, sure. Effect as well, but uh, no, towards the uh, towards the end when I was at uh, Detouch uh, setting up their workstations, and we talked about this before yep. a couple episodes back. That's kind of how I set it up. I basically had two one terabyte. Um, you know Hitachi seventy two hundred uh, RPM drives, which I would then use Disk Utilities, you know, rating feature to just basically stripe those together into a single two terabyte striped volume, uh, and then that's their scratch. Yeah, that was called a scratch volume, which is what you know you'd use for either Photoshop or if you're you know doing your capture stuff to that. Just you know whatever you, wherever you needed the storage to be fastest, that's what you would you'd use that for. And then right. Sitting right next to them in the computer was a, a, an additional one or two terabyte hard drive, which was just straight. And then, you know, your, your, the goal was to basically back your stuff up to that before you turn the computer off, you know, before the session was over yeah. um, so that you have at least two copies of it. Yeah. And uh, as far as I know, that, that worked out pretty well. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. And so getting back to these iMacs, yeah. uh, if you bought right now the super high-end iMac, you yeah. can put... Apple allows you up to 16 gigabytes of RAM, so four four gigabyte SO DIMMs. Yep, which is pretty killing. Nice, uh, and then, then you know OWC now offers the sells eights, the eights, right? But they're like insane. Insi- it's like yeah. you'd spend three thousand dollars on RAM it's, on well, top of it. It's still it's 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 out there. It's an option, and yep. the prices are coming down on RAM always. So uh, it's an interesting thing. But one of those 27 inches with an i7 processor and 16 gigs of RAM. Yeah. That is not a bad little machine. No. And then if you are using Thunderbolt to go out to external storage, um, 
assuming that these things like this promise and other things like it, the price is halfway decent on them and they're not $1,200 a box, um, which would kind of negate the whole thing and you might as well get a Mac Pro. Hmm. Um, that's a nice little machine. I mean, the screens are pretty good on those uh, iMacs. I've never actually... No, I did. I actually did uh, profile one to see how it is. Uh, yeah. It came out okay. It bad. wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't lacy or NEC, but it was good. No, well, and um, you, plus you need to take the whole thing into, into consideration. I mean, it's a whole computer, dude. I yeah, mean, it's, and it's, it's two thousand like, dollars, right? Yeah, so I mean, you could you could spend two grand, then buy for two hundred dollars sixteen gigs of RAM after the aftermarket. Right. Stick it in there. The only thing that I wish you could do on the IMAX. Well, first of all, there's now an option to have an SSD and a hard drive and an optical in there. Is that true? Yeah, that was well. That's been around for the previous. That was the last version well. too. Um, yeah. yeah, they they figured out a way to stick a SSD kind of like underneath the optical drive. Right. Um, okay. So so, but you have to buy the Apple ones, and the Apple ones are pretty expensive. It's true, unless you're adventurous. Um, they're actually they're not that hard to take apart, man. Um, See, that's the thing. I thought that it's kind of a pain in the ass because you got to have the little things to. Cups. Yeah, you, you, need, you need the suction cups to pull the screen cups. up. <laughs> yeah, well, once you get the screen off, the, the downside is well, here's here's how it works. So. Uh, the, the, the glass, the big glass panel on the front of yep. an iMac is basically held in by magnets. Um, so you could pull that off with, without a ton of, a ton of, you know, you need a little bit of effort, but not a ton. Really? It's, there's no adhesive or anything? No, it's, so there's no screws or no anything like that. It's nice. So it's nice and clean. Um, and then there's maybe what, 10, 12, uh, torque screws holding the display on. And then once you get those off, uh, you just got to be careful because there's there's one one or two like there's like the eyesight cable for the camera, right. um, and one or two other things that you know you want to you, you can't just whip the thing off. You have to kind of do it gently and then disconnect those cables and then you can take the whole thing off. And then you're looking at the entire guts of the computer, so it's it's not a, entirely unlike pulling the side off of a of a Mac Pro. I mean, obviously there's sure. a lot more to it, but but once you once you've gotten those those bits taken taken care of, I mean, you're literally just looking at the inside of the whole computer. Uh, and then you can make whatever changes you want. Change the hard drive or re- remove the optical drive or put the SSD in or, or what have you. Now, the, Although the, the downside li- is I think, I think it, you don't get the, the, the cable and the connector for the additional unless SSD you buy the unless you get from it from Apple. So what you, I think what some people will do is they'll remove the optical drive because I'm pretty sure that's a SATA drive. Just stick it in there. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. then then comes the question. Um, I don't know if you saw this. Um uh, OWC just announced this. The, the next big thing in serial ATA is this six gigabyte yeah. um, or six gigabit. Um, There's a firmware upgrade now. Yeah. So Apple just released this new firmware update, which happens to sort of magically convert the well, the know, chips, the Intel chipset in there would have no problem with it. It must have been something in their firmware that was slowing it down. Exactly. So so yeah. Apple just basically updated that, and now you can put a six gig. Um, SSD or, right. or serial ATA drive in there and get that performance without right. having to except, spend any money. Except that they will have almost no performance boost unless it's a really fast drive. Drive. Right. Uh, it not uh, The mechanical drives are nowhere near that fast. No, but so still it doesn't really make a difference for hard drives, but it does make a difference for SSDs. It's true. It's uh, at least the new SSDs. You know, the OCZ Vertex 3s mm-hmm. are 6G drives and they're getting like 400 megs a second. Yeah, well, and well, there's that in, you know OWC made the makes one as yep. well, which is also preposterously fast. Yeah, so you know it's funny though. Um, as far as my experience with SSDs, I have a Intel G2 80 gig in my machine now as my boot drive and app drive. Um, it's fast. There are limitations to it in that, like writing to it sequentially is only like 80 megs a second versus the new ones which do hundreds of megs a second. Mm-hmm. Although. I'm almost never writing sequentially to it. You know, I mean, it's your boot and app drive. What you're doing from it is you're booting and you're booting apps, you know. Right. Um, neither of which, I, I don't know that you'd ever see any real, real world advantage, even upgrading. Like, having an SSD is the big leap. Having the super latest, fastest SSD that came out last week is probably right. less important than having, having a good SSD. Place. Yeah, exactly. No, of course. Um, and uh, and it's it's the it's the um, access times which are the killing thing, you know. Yeah, no, because on, on spinning hard drives you're at milliseconds. These things you're at like hundredths of milliseconds. Yeah. So you're looking for a file, it's there before yeah, you even ask for it. <laughs> um, so it, anyone who doesn't have an SSD who is thinking about getting one, uh, a guy, uh, my friend Jeffrey out in California, was uh, building a new Hackintosh, and he skyped me the other day with his spec list and whatever it is, and. 
And he's just like, you know, should I get an SSD? I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, no no question. I don't care what you're doing. Are you building an original IBM XT? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'd put an SSD in it, you know. Um, you've taken apart the new unibody MacBook Pros, right? The, 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 the ones that don't have any door at the bottom. Yeah. Is it just a bunch of screws? You open it up and you can get to everything? Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Okay. Now, is that... Is that ruining killing your warranty? Opening it up? No, that's what that's what they do. I mean, you know. I know that's what they do, but like you know, with the IMAX, if you no, that's how you that's how you install RAM, and RAM is technically oh okay. So RAM, you know, so but you you can get to the drive, you can get to the yeah, everything yeah, totally. Okay, because uh, see, I wish they made the IMAX like that. Yeah, well, where you can lay them down on their face, you know, on a towel. They used to. I mean, the old original, original. Oh, I want to say original. How there've been five iterations of. You iMac. mean the white ones? The the first generation of the white, the, the iMac G5 is what it's yes. officially called. So that that the first one that that was sort of like the standing up all in one, yeah. that was basically like a big old cafeteria tray, and you basically lay it down on its face. There's two or three like captive screws that you just loosen on the bottom, and then boom, you, you kind of give some gentle pressure, like like you know, like you're opening up the hood of a car, and then the the whole back comes off, and then voila, you've got the entire yeah. computer right there. That's uh, that's that's pretty because taking off the screen because then you can get dust underneath the glass, and that's the thing, man. Yeah, when we when I remember when when the first when those aluminum ones when the glass faced ones first came out, uh, I was still working at Apple, and there was this huge like to do about uh, how, how, how to do this procedure properly. And then, I mean, they, they, had, they gave us all these special instructions, and we had this whole special kit with, yeah. like, you had, to, you had to wear gloves so you didn't get smudges on anything. There's a special, like, anti-static bag that you had to put the glass in. And then, and then there was this crazy little, like, special sticky roller kit yeah. that you're supposed to use to, to, you know, roll. It was basically like just like a, like a you know, like one of those pet... Um, lint picker uppers, yep. but uh, on a larger scale, so that you basically roll it on the su- you know you roll it on the screen and you roll it on the glass on the inside because you, you know once you've got that that cover on you don't want to get any glass I'm sorry you don't want to get any dust or schmutz or specks yeah. or anything like that um, and that was a pain in the ass and that was seems a- like a slightly incorrect I think they could do the design better yeah I, th- I have a feeling- I mean it looks very pretty when it's together it's just it sounds like such a bitch to do anything to it's true I have a feeling the next generation is going to be pretty killing. Now, I mean, you have a better overall impression of Apple's intentions than I do, yeah. or a more positive one. <laughs> yeah. But to, to, to somebody who isn't, you know, having a relationship with Steve Jobs, uh-huh. uh, it seems to me that Apple makes things difficult on purpose often. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't use those those exact words. I wouldn't say they make, make it difficult on purpose. I think what, what the way I would phrase that, I'm not disagreeing with that sentiment, um, but what I would say is Apple puts a higher priority on what the thing looks like at the end of the day versus sure. how it how it how it you know no, comes apart. But I think you can do both. I mean look the, you the, can. No, the Mac they, Pro they, Tower does both. They've done it. They've done yeah. it like a dozen times in their history. I and mean, that's, and then that's they where undo it gets it. really frustrating. <laughs> I know. It's like I mean you look at you look at the original look look at look back to the uh, to the blue and white Power Mac G three. Um, yeah. that was a that was an insanely innovative design man i mean there was nothing like that with the, it had a hinge and a little latch and you know no tools or whatever you want to talk history man go back to the original macintosh 2 ci for example this is okay. a little box uh i would if i did ballpark it, i would say it's probably 16 inches square maybe i remember eight, that eight, eight inches tall dude you open there's no there's no tools there's two little like little tabs, tabs. in the back of the computer you kind of pull them up and then the thing lifts right off just like then, the apple 2e uh, I don't remember the Apple 2E. It had, uh, it had tabs in the back, and you just popped the top off. Oh, the 2E. Yeah, the little one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, but, yeah, uh, the point is, th- you know, there are guys working on that stuff that are not dumb, you know, that, that figured those things out and, and had those yeah. priorities. Um, the real question is, It just is like, amazes me that they kind of sc- they go backwards, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess just, you know, different management decisions are made or maybe yeah. different people I just know that if, if I could buy an iMac... Yeah, that I could open up, swap out drives easily, and all the rest of it. Yeah, I would consider that computer much more than I do now, just right. because doing it would be a big pain in the ass. Right. Well, I'm, I'm in the, uh, you know, I, I'm okay with it personally. But what I'm really personally excited and looking forward to uh, is the next iteration of the Mac Pro of the professional desktop. Yeah, because um, that design is is really long on the tooth. I mean, we're, again, we're looking at like what eight, nine years now. Yep. Um, uh, and with the demise of the Xserve, um, Apple is long overdue for something to kind of take that place. So I've heard some pretty cool rumors about 
um, a rack mount friendly design. You know, because yes. right now, as we've I th- we've mentioned this in the past, you know, the, the the current Mac Pro form factor just is too damn wide. It's too wide with the handles. Yeah. You know, the handles and the feet that keeps you from putting them. Um, horizontally in a rack. So the only way you can put them in is sitting next to each other, and you can only put two of them. So two computers in a rack that take, what, 18U or 12U or something absurd, yeah. that's, that's retarded. You know, you should yeah. be able to stick, like, seven computers in that space, not, ju- not just two, Right. you know? Um, so that's one, one thing. And then, you know, now that, now that we've got this whole uh, Thunderbolt thing, uh, that, that has a tremendous uh, amount of promise as far as the I.O. is concerned. Uh, I think the one thing that people are always sort of terrified about and frustrated with uh, is the PCI slots thing, you know, the whole expansion yep. thing. But I guess, really, that's becoming less and less of a, of a big deal. I bet I wouldn't be surprised if uh, DigiDesign or Avid or whoever is calling the shots over there, you know, the Pro Tools department, um, they're probably coming up with a, with you know, with a Thunderbolt-based solution. Oh, sure. You know, that can yep. do the, the same amount of work. Because, you know, nowadays, uh, the, the, the CPUs are so darn powerful, you can offload a lot of that processing power. I mean, back in the old days, you know, you needed to buy dedicated farm cards, you know, DSPs, yep. you know, God, cards sucked. full of DSPs just to do the damn reverb or delay or whatever, you know, just, just to, just to handle that kind of math. But nowadays, geez, uh, you know, the computer could do a lot of that stuff on its own. It's amazing how much stuff you could do natively. Yeah. You know, I mean, even years ago, the last time I actually did some recording, it was, I could do 32 tracks with shitloads of stuff all over it. Like, yeah. you know. And it was just no problem whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't even a fast machine compared to what I've got now, you know. I know. Um, it's, no, you're right. Uh, and the app, the Mac uh, Pro could be a bit smaller. The thing is, is that if you still want to fit at least four SATA drives and you want to have, I mean, the, the argument is that they're going to make it about five, a little over five inches wide, which is, what? it has to be at least that to fit uh, the CD, the optical. Yeah, now there's so a possibility be, that Apple might... Maybe go slot load and do it sideways. They could do that, or they could... Uh, Get rid of know, the, the optical, optical drive. altogether. I mean, it's, Apple's definitely, you know, been... On a Mac Pro? They might do it. Yeah. I mean... You know, it's still amazing to me that you can't get Blu-ray in these things, not for playing, but for the people authoring... No, well, it's it's it's. I mean, that's a that's a political thing, man. Not a I know that's thing. a weird, but it's weird considering how many people use these things for video. You know that you can't burn a Blu-ray to stick in your thing. Well, I think um, I think Apple lost that uh, that competition. You know, I think I think the. I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't been in the the media. I haven't looked into making DVDs in a long time. But I remember there was a point in time when Apple was the first to the first out of the gate with DVD Studio Pro. And that was like the you know one of the very first packages that you could use to build, a, yeah. you know, a proper menu-driven you know like like something more than just you know play pause you know whatever you know sure. something an, an actual menu-based DVD, but um, but then some guys on the Windows side I think the guys from Sonic Solutions I can't remember what their product is called, um, but th- those guys came up with a fantastic environment for doing it on the on the Windows side and that sort of took over and I'm pretty sure I mean I would guess that most of the commercial DVDs that are being built. Are done on on Windows, not on a not on a Mac. Yeah. I will and tell you, I was just playing around with Flash too. I'd rather use Flash on a PC too. Authoring, why? <laughs> Isn't the same thing? It is, but just the way the windows are and the way the keyboard commands, it uses a lot of F keys. So then you got to hold on the FN and whatever it is, and then yeah, some can, of those don't even work weird. That. I know it's just it's just like a little bit, of, and it just I don't know, it doesn't feel nearly as tight somehow. It well, feels slower and laggy. We don't need to talk about how. Terrific oh, Flash, flash player. I'm not Macintosh. even talking about Flash player. I'm just talking <laughs> the authoring thing. No, I know, but just um, Flash in general. Yeah, no, all of that's in. Look, the the new Mac Pro. It definitely needs to be. Well, it doesn't definitely, but it it is. It stands to reason that they're going to update it soon. That thing's been out since the G5, which was what 2003. Yeah, 2002 or 2003. It's been a while. So you know, but but I mean, if you want four drives in there. And you need, you know, decent-sized heat sinks for the CPUs, and you need room for a big video card. It can't be that much smaller. That's true. Like, the size that my case is, this little Antec solo case, Yeah, that's about as small as you can go to fit all that stuff in there. No, that's like, true. They might, they, might, I, packed. they might They might forego some of that stuff, man. They might I still wish PC that they slots. would come out with just a Mac, you know? Basically, mm-hmm. the size of my little thing here that can fit two or three SATA drives that you can put in your – like a Mac Pro with four cores that uses non-Xeon processors, just uses a i7 whatever. 
Yeah. You You're know? talking about the Mac Mini. You want the Mac Mini to be a little bit bigger. That's I want the want. Mac Mini, but have room for drives in it. Right. A little bit bigger. Yeah. But how, how cool would this be, though, man? Imagine a Mac Mini with a Thunderbolt port on it. Yeah. If the CPUs can handle that kind of throughput. Well, it, dude, if the fucking MacBook Pro can do it, I mean, the Mac Mini... Yeah, but Mini, the Mac Minis are still using Core 2 Duos. Well, I, I, I'm going to guess that that's, that's probably, that's probably going to change next time around. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling the next gen of the Mac Mini is going to be a, a killer little computer. Oh, I mean, it's, it's a nice little machine now. I mean, if, if, if what you're using it for is, you know, the stuff that most people use their computers for, it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, one other one other like little thing about the uh, new IMAX. Apparently, you know, the, you used to be able to go into the Display Port. You still can, but it's a little trickier now. No, no, no. You can only do it from things that have Thunderbolt supported. Right. So you can go in from a MacBook Pro, but you can't go in from, say, a PlayStation. Right. Which before that was a nice little handy thing. Oh, I got this twenty-seven inch iMac. I also have an Xbox. And you can get an HDMI to uh, mini DisplayPort adapter. Exactly. And go HDMI out of the Xbox mini DisplayPort into the iMac and do right. what's called display target mode. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody releases a little, you know, figures out a way to thirty dollars. Well, there's going to be like a little thirty dollar dongle accessory yeah. that basically does the whole Thunderbolt. Because that was a pretty cool feature. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, have a feeling I, I didn't use it, but that sounds like a neat thing. Yeah, and I have a feeling that that's that's not going away. I mean, yeah. th- someone someone's on that already. I'm, I anyway, so yeah, the iMac. Or the new iMac, if you buy the nice $2,000 version and trick it out with 16 gigs of RAM. Yeah, dude. Nice okay. little machine. Hell yeah. Uh, you know, even if you, got the, if you got the SSD and the internal 2-terabyte drive or even internal 1-terabyte drive, mm-hmm. uh, and then even used a FireWire 800 external drive to back up stuff on that you weren't using that often. Yeah. Still not bad. No. No, I mean, it, I mean, I, it, there, were th- there would be things that would drive you and me nuts, but... You know what I mean? No, I, I think it's true. But tremendous. we're like crazy, weird power user people. It's, it's true. And and the, they're just, I don't know. I, I think Apple has done some pretty good things with the, with the current crop of machines. I, I'm, it's funny because now I'm sitting here looking at my, I have um, one of the first gen unibody MacBook Pros. I think it's of the same vintage as your uh, your 13-inch MacBook. Yep. Um, which, I th- what is it, a Core 2? I think mine's a Core 2 Duo. I have to check. Uh, yeah. Mine's it's a 2.4 Core 2 Duo. Yeah, mine's a 2.5 core two duo um and you know and i'm just you know it's it's been fine i mean but that's it, your main machine right yeah for the most part um but you know i i could still stand to put an ssd in it i haven't gone that route yet you could also put eight gigs of ram into it pretty cheaply for a 100 bucks yeah I, I could do that too i mean the thing that, you know. that, that that pisses me off the most about it which is super you know anal or whatever it's not really yeah. a big deal it's just that the fans come on pretty quickly you know, I mean, so like if I want, you know, when I'm watching videos on, on the web uh, or, or like right now, I don't know if you can hear it, but, you know, we're just chatting here on Skype, not really lifting a ton of weight here, but you know, the, fan, the fans are in and they're not running at high speed, but they're definitely, you know, my CPUs are, are at 25, my processors are at 23, 25% right now. You know, I um, noticed that I have a, I put a ATI 5770 into my, my Hackintosh mm-hmm. and uh, I noticed that the fan spins up even when I'm just like watching some stupid video file mm-hmm. um, really quite loudly, mm-hmm. more so than I ever noticed stuff like that doing on windows. You know, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a driver thing or, you know, whatever it is, mm. some kind of weird or they're, they're overly conservative and cooling the thing off. Well, um, yeah, they are pretty passionate about yeah. that. I know that, but it is, but it is pretty, I mean, you don't, I don't need to upgrade my laptop. Although my laptop, I'll tell you when I was in California, mm-hmm. even just working on, the raw files coming out of my Canon 5D. Yeah. It's slow. Yeah, of course. Like really slow. Yeah. Um, in a way that I think it's CPU limited is the big problem. Yeah. Um, well, and then also IO, I mean, or did you put an SSD in there? Did you, I don't have an SSD, right? Okay. I have a, it's a 7,200 RPM okay. hard drive. I, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking about buying a new machine soon or something and maybe trading up and giving this one to Heather and then selling hers and, you know, but it almost becomes it, it's like I don't use it that often, and if I did put something in it, I put an SSD in it, you know, yeah, or move the eighty gig SSD over from my Hackintosh over to there, and then yeah, get a go. nicer, newer, faster one for the main machine. Yeah, that's um, probably what I would do. But it's it's kind of cool that you could upgrade these things. If I put an SSD, eight gigs of RAM in it, that's now a nice little machine again. Yeah, it's not you bad. Know? I mean, it's um, still it's still whatever CPU it is. I mean, it's not it's not yeah. 
But you know what? Core 2 Duo, 2.4 gigahertz. I mean, the grand scheme of thing, it's not bad. I guess it's just bad once you're used to these four-core i7 monsters, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, performance is a whole other thing. But at least you don't have to, you know, replace your computer every two minutes. No, it's 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 nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I I'm know. just I'm excited about what the what the future holds. All right, so, so what is your ultimate uh, guess for what the Mac Pro is going to be and when it's coming out? Oh, geez. Um, will, it, will they still do dual processors? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because Intel is coming out with eight core single processors. Um, yeah, that's a good, yeah, actually, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. My, my gut instinct is that, they're, you know, like I said, I think it makes sense for them to try and kill two birds with one stone because um, they definitely don't want to, you know, they, I think they want to focus in on the core group of users that use the the Mac Pro, which sure. at this point are video folks and, you know, high-end audio folks, you know, folks who definitely need that kind of horsepower. Um, so they need to, and, and then, the, you know, and, the, and it's not unusual for these folks to be sticking these things into racks. Yep. So I think that's, that's one of the, from a form factor standpoint, I think that's a really big uh, address, issue that needs to be addressed. Again, going back to the history, an, another terrific um, plus from the old school blue and white Power Mac G3 and its successor, the, you know, the Power Mac G4, you know, the little plastic boxes with the removable handles, you could get rack mount kits for those things and, and stick them in racks. And, you know, yeah. they were big, but you could still stick three of those computers up on top of each other. Um, in the same space that you could put two of the current uh, current Mac Pro or old school G5 yeah. design, uh, so I think that's that's something that's going to have to happen. I'd put money on that. Um, as far as like the number of hard drives, the optical drive question, um, that stuff, I'm not I, I'm not really sure. Come man. on, put some numbers down. Let's get I, some. I don't know. I, I how, mean, many, how many internal drives? Still four? Uh, uh, I would say n- not a guarantee. I would guarantee at least two. Okay. Um, and optical, but, yes or no? Um, I'm going to say yes, probably. And um, slot loaded? Uh, not necessarily, but but that wouldn't surprise me. Um, the problem with slot load stuff is that it's not as it's not as uh, reliable. Sure. It's not as fast either. I think you can still get better, higher quality, faster drives with the tray mechanism. Yeah, but look, Apple's not afraid of doing things for style over performance. No, but but at the same time you, you have to understand there's the there's the professional side of the fence and then there's the consumer side of the fence and they tend to You know they what? They make to, a lot more money on the consumer side of the fence now. They do, but they also don't cut they, they there's some corners that they're that they're just not willing to cut on the professional side. You know, and, speaking of that, one last yeah. thing before we wrap up here is yeah. this whole rumor about them putting ARM processors in the laptops. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. Like Intel's processors are at least a generation ahead of yeah, anything i think that's just that's just silly it's fud it's gotta be it's like it's it doesn't make any sense yeah. i mean it would make sense for something that ran ios right that right. was like the macbook air running ios or something but at that point why would you because what are you gonna touch the screen you know what i mean like that seems silly you have an ipad and then you have laptops they're two right. different things right um I just thought that that was kind of an odd thing for people to even be reporting. I'm like, really? Why would they do that? Because they said, oh, by 2013. It's like, well, by 2013, I'll expect twice the performance I expect now. Yeah. And you can give me half the performance I have now in 2013? Like, why would I take one quarter of the performance, you know? Yeah. Um, As far as announcements are concerned, I think this year's WWDC, which is coming up in just a a couple of weeks now, um, is going to be interesting. Um, The other thing that's interesting... Not to get off on a, another tangent here, um, is the next uh, next iPhone. Um, I know most people are are something occurred to me the other day, and that was, you know, all of the rumors and indications are that um, that's you know the new phone isn't going to uh, come out until September. Um, now, the only thing that I think is interesting about that is that if think if you think back for a second, the last iPhone, the iPhone four. Um, do you remember when that first came out? Sure. It was a huge disaster because the Gizmodo. But the antenna know, thing. No, or, no, no, or, no, no, oh, no. You just mean the, the, release the, of the, the release of the device. Oh, oh because, remember of the that? Gizmodo, because the guy lost found it, the phone. Yeah. That whole thing. So I have a feeling. I, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me that because of that tremendous debacle that, you know, the, 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 the timeline and the release date and all that other stuff is so tightly buckled down. That it, you know, we could still be surprised because Apple is not saying a word. These are all still just rumors. 
True. So it's entirely possible. It wouldn't shock me if Apple does go ahead and announce, um, you know, a new iPhone in June, like like they did before. Um, Maybe, you know, but, it's possible. but okay. One little question about that though is then why did they put out the white iPhone last week? Because they've been if trying to do it for months. Because yeah, they've been trying to do it for months. They're going to manufacture it for a month. Why not? They still make the, it's expensive. They, they still make iPhone three GSs, dude. Yeah, I don't know. I just I I understand what you're saying. Do you think it's going to be a big redesign, or do you think it's just going to be okay? It's a dual core processor. No, I'm going to think it's. I think if it. I had to put my money on it, I would say it's going to be same industrial design, different guts. You know, yeah. like okay. you know, basically taking a faster processor. Maybe so I shouldn't feel bad about just buying mine. No, no. I, I, I've been telling people that if you need a new phone, get a new phone. They're great. iPhone four is great. Yeah, I'm waiting for my new case today. My default case. It should be down in my mail right now. I'm going to go check it out. Sweet. Um, well, that was fun. A little performance talk. Yeah, right on. Like computers. computers. Love them. I uh, hate them. Uh, sorry, I hate computers. Yeah. I did not. I do not love computers. No, but they're fun. They can be fun. And there is something about, uh, I don't know. It's like driving a really fast car when you drive a really nice computer, you know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Whatever. I guess. I don't uh, know. All right. Well, then next time we will come up with something interesting. We're we're gonna get. I think uh, I got a text from Claude, by the way. Oh yeah. Saying I'm the expert in four thirds. Oh, that okay. you're looking for. So maybe we'll bring Claude on to talk four thirds. There you go. And we'll image sensor size stuff. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into the little video stuff too. Good. Uh, it could be interesting. Terrific. All right. Until next time, uh, we will uh, catch you later. Thank you.